You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tell you what, if you live in or you're currently investing in the province of Alberta, you can't read a newspaper, watch a TV newscast without hearing that there's a recent drop in the price of oil and it has impacted everything. Today's conversation is going to revolve around a central theme of what's going on with the price of oil, how they'll impact the housing market, and what strategic real estate investors are doing about the current situation. For tonight's important discussion, I'm turning to one of our go-to experts. He is going to give you a well-balanced, a respected view of the real estate markets. You know, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Don Campbell. How are you doing tonight, Don? Oh, great. Thank you. You've been investing for, you know, 20-some-odd years now. A thousand. I think this was a thousand years. Yeah, it feels like it today. Yeah. You've seen a few of these gyrations, haven't you, Don? So is there anything playing out that you're seeing right now that might be a little bit different or similar that you've seen in the past? Well, frankly, yes. We've got uh, a number of issues that are that are showing up that are different, at, not wrong or right or bad or good, but just different. Like, for instance, the timing of this drop. So we're into month seven on the oil drop. The timing of this is really interesting because at the same time, as you're starting to see inventories increase, and, and Russ, you were at that uh, talk in January about uh, the pixelization, and we, it was like a 45-minute conversation on oil production versus oil exploration versus jobs versus you know that whole pixelization thing. That's yeah. playing out exactly right. But here's a couple of wild cards that have been thrown in, and that, of course, is a strike. There's a, a strike that's on at the Gulf Coast, so in, in almost all of the refineries. So... As production's continuing in Canada, a little bit less in the U.S., the, the volumes are starting to increase and the storage is starting to increase. And actually, as a matter of fact, um, people now are actually buying this cheaper oil and storing it. So the number of barrels that are in storage right now look inordinately high. Well, it's, there's a number of different factors that are playing but no matter what, the technical traders of oil, more than the production people, um, are sitting on oil and it's kind of sitting back and, and looking at historic numbers and keeping the price low um, based on a couple of wild cards that are, that are completely out of the fundamental control, which is really interesting to watch. Well, you know, Don, I actually had a, I, I made a joke about this the other day that I had a, a bone to pick actually a little bit with, you know, in the lower mainland of BC, we, we actually had gas get down to, I think it was about 84 cents was the cheapest. What? Ever. 84 wow. cents. I filled up one tank, 84 cents. And it's already back up to a buck 15. It's Wait like, a minute, oil hasn't jumped up. I know, but come on, you know, I wanted a break here. At least I want one more tank of gas at 84 cents. That's exactly right. And, and, um, at, and, and, as we see the inventories increasing, you're going to see a, a cap on price increases in, in oil because inventories are in the trader's world. Uh, you know, it, it, it keeps the cap on the price. The strike's not helping. You're seeing a demand drop. And we talked about this in great detail in January about the, the demand drop as we hit the trough in March, April of China and India's demand for oil. And then that increases dramatically into the summer, like 3 million barrels a day increase between the the, uh, the trough and the peak. 
And so you've got a strike going on. You've got low oil price. You've got countries who have decided they can't, they're not going to decrease their uh, production in OPEC mostly. And you've got the Russian political thing. And you've got the continued discussion around Iran and the nuclear uh, nuclear agreement, which Saudi Arabia doesn't want. So they're kind of monkeying with that. You've got all of those things coming together in a storm. And, and frankly, we haven't seen a storm of influencers like this to, be, before. Does it scare me? No. Um, being strategic, it doesn't scare me. But boy, oh boy, am I obsessing about every single detail. You're, you're, it makes you more um, hyper aware, maybe not fearful. You're not saying, you, if I heard you correctly, you're not fearful, but you're more hyper aware and you're paying more attention than you've ever done in, in the past. Exactly. And then you see the headlines that we're seeing now. The, the housing market is collapsing in January. I, I saw that and then I looked at it and what, what it was was housing starts. So that's uh, not the housing market. That's the construction industry. And unfortunately, it gets extrapolated onto housing starts. Because about month nine on an oil drop, uh, you know, as oil's dropping from, the, from its peak, about month six, you see a bunch of people kick into FOMO and listings jump up. It's exactly what we saw in January. And in about nine months after the peak, as you see the drop, that's when you really start to see housing starts slow down. This January slowdown was really interesting is because uh, last January I had, had a number of starts that were condo buildings. So there are like 100 units at once in a condo building, you know, on average. So that it's tough to compare 2015's January to 2014's January. The real impact will be in March in the construction industry in, in Alberta. And that's the number that I'm going to pay you very close attention to. And I'm not too concerned about the, the, the Calgary home builders because um, they've been through these, these uh, boom, uh, boom bust cycle things before. So they turn their tap off more quickly than in Toronto or Vancouver does. And, and frankly, when we, I know there's a bunch of us who are here in Edmonton. Um, and um, did I just give it away? Oh, silly me. <laughs> who, are, who are here in Edmonton and uh, doing, doing our research and going, well, the market's kind of okay still. As a matter of fact, Russ, didn't you and I talk about raising rents? Yeah, we, I'm fully, fully rented. We just had a, a move out, and the rent went up 150 bucks from the last yep. person that went out. We actually had a waiting list of people to get in, too. So. Absolutely. So, you know, and it also proves another one of our, our 25-year research things is that, uh, that Edmonton follows Calgary's market about 18 months after you know between 12 months and 18 months depending on the the uh the cycle and um so that's exactly what we're seeing so if you're living in yeah i, I know we have people from grand prairie um grand prairie fort mcmurray these smaller centers uh very interesting those markets have fewer transactions obviously than edmonton or calgary just based truthfully on the size of the market so their gyrations on average sale prices and percentage of listings and numbers of days on market always seem scarier. They always seem scarier because it's a smaller number. So you'd only have to sell a few properties lower in the lower end of the scale that you start to see, oh my goodness, the average sale price in, in uh, Grand Prairie is down 12%. But also on the other hand, you have to understand whenever you're investing in these smaller centers, especially uh, more of a one or one two industry town. I know Grand Prairie is a little bit more diverse than Fort McMurray. Um, that you get uh, you get much higher highs and quicker highs, and much lower lows and much quicker lows. So as a strategic investor, you just kind of have to 
know that if you're going to get into those markets for that extra cash flow that you can always get in these smaller centers, you also have to put money aside for the inevitable dip because you're investing in a resource town. Now, Fort McMurray, yeah. Listen, I got a we got a building up there that's uh, 92 units, uh, 14 are empty, and um, and and that's an interesting market because you've got camps that are shutting down. Um, so what we're finding in the Fort McMurray market, because there's a number of you on the on the line from there, is that is that even though camps are shutting down and people are being moved into the city um, and or consolidating into other camps, um, there's there's a bit of a hiring not freeze, but there's a bit of a hiring slowdown. Um, there are some layoffs, but mostly contractor layoffs. And, um, and that's affecting the city. And once again, because it's a more of a one industry town, the cycles are much, much higher. Listen, if you're investing in, in Fort McMurray, you're getting 2000 2400 bucks for a one or two bedroom apartment. Um, you should be putting that money away because you know at the end of the day that the, the downturn is going to you're going to be vacant for longer than you are in Grand Prairie or Edmonton or Red Deer or Calgary, um, and even more so than in Lethbridge. Right. So just to, to tie off a, a couple things here um, sure. uh, on oil prices, Don. I know you you talked about the uh, the presentation you did in January, and you know we we videoed we videoed that. We we knew it was going to be that important of a message for everybody. Man, I sh- I, if I'd known that, I would have done my hair. That's right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you too, right? <laughs> and uh, the good thing is, I believe, uh, I don't know, our producer of the show, uh, Sarah Spritzma, is uh, listening on this upstairs, and I'm pretty sure everybody who registered for this conference call will get access to that full uh, video presentation after the oh, fact good. as that's well. 40, so. That's 40-some-odd minutes of just about the oil and the, yeah. and the, the Calgary, so that's the, and Edmonton. But if we were just just I was just to wrap it up with one just one final quick question. Sure. Based upon your opinion, are are you seeing what's going on with oil? Do you see it as a as almost like a short term speed bump, or are you seeing it as some kind of long long term systemic challenge that's going to be in the well? Industry? You know, if if I knew that, uh, because oil industry guys don't know that, Saudi Arabia doesn't know that. Um, you know, I don't know if anybody knows it. But if you do the math, I'm just studying North Sea oil right now, and uh, there are th- that you don't want to say the word running out because everybody it doesn't it, it's not running out, but there's lots and lots of slowdown in production in the North Sea. You're starting to see production slow down in some of these older areas. Um, if we came back around sixty-five, seventy-dollar oil, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Having the hundred dollar, hundred nine dollar oil, where we were all buying big trucks with dualies and uh, and and then blinging them out, um, probably won't be for a couple of years. But here's what here's the cool thing about oil, and there's a lot of oil guys listening in, so I I totally get that you know more technically about oil than I do. My job is to look at it from an outside and a real estate investor's point of view. Is that seventy dollar oil makes us decent coin? It attracts more people. It slows down on the new exploration. If it slows down on the new exploration, then there is a slowdown in excess production over demand a year from now. It's, and if you and and especially you oil guys, you totally get this that that, that what happens when price slows down, production slows down a, a little bit, but mostly exploration slows down. And uh, it's kind of like home building. You either have way too many homes or not enough homes. It's like a big pendulum. So 
Am I concerned? No. As a matter of fact, um, if you don't mind me saying, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but because everybody's going to wait to do exactly the same thing, but April, May, June, um, I'm going to be on the major hunt for picking up deals. Right. That was actually the next question I was going to lead okay. into. Is is, is Look, you know, we worked together for a decade. Now I even know what your question. I know are. you're. It's like we're. <laughs> it's like we're. We got ESPN or something. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and ESPN too. <laughs> so the housing market in Calgary. I've seen reports that you know, literally, it was. It was. Frothy. A year ago at this time, it, it was, you know, people were, we actually had complaints, people phoned in the office saying that we can't find anything to buy. There's just so many, you know, so many buyers out there and nobody, nobody's selling any properties. Now, mm. fast forward 12, 12 months and now um, listings have gone up uh, through the roof and there's a lot more pro- uh, product on the marketplace. Prices ha- are actually have gone down a little bit. Quite so bit, not you, much. not much at all, but you are a strategic investor. And you know a lot of strategic investors, and I know you, you alluded to it a little bit. But what are you guys? What are you doing right now? Well, I, I tell you, I know what I'm doing right now is I'm locking in all my tenants on, on a, on a one-year lease, um, hoping to get them locked in, and and so I don't have to worry about that for the next year. And that's between now and May or June. But Don, I just signed somebody six months ago. I said, well, go give them an incentive to sign uh, another year lease. You know, whatever it takes, just kind of get them, get that off of your table. Remember, we're running a business, and you want to lock that that potential issue out and make, let let them let them be have a home. And um, in Calgary right now, we got a lot of people who are selling their property, but aren't moving out of the city. So you're not going to see. And if you start seeing incentives in in the rental market, that's because people are not doing their homework, because it's it's very low vacancy rate. It's up a little bit uh, than it was when it was at zero pretty well. And um, so strategically, in Calgary and Edmonton, Red Deer and uh, Grand Prairie, um, it's locked the tenants in for as long as you possibly can. Uh, no, I don't mean that. I mean at least a year, <laughs> as long as you possibly can. You don't want to be so they have the a key, right? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and, and that take that problem off the table and then move forward to, all right, I have this portfolio. This portfolio is performing as X, whatever your portfolio is performing. Hopefully, you've been listening all along for the last 10 years and only bought something that cash flows. You didn't buy a pre-sale that you wanted to uh, – you have to sell to make any money. Because here we are, Russ. Remember we talked a couple of things. We, uh, I remember our conversation on WestJet. When you're flying from Toronto, you got lots of time. And it was, um, it was the – remember the music – when the music stops – then suddenly you're left uh, you're left without a chair. You know if you if you've been one of those pre-sale and the only way you make money is if you sell the property. That's awesome. And many of you have made sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars during that period of time when the market's hot. But eventually, the market slows down in every in every city and every country. And um, and you don't want to be that guy that's who or gal who's holding that. So you have to start being more strategic. And, and, and that's why I'm always saying, if you want to sleep at night and you want to have fun and you want to be strategic, make sure that you have plan B. And plan B is, for those pre-sale things is that, that, you, that you can cash flow. And if you can't cash flow as it is, well, then get in touch with Barry McGuire and that whole strategic uh, um, creative real estate team and get into their program and then figure out, my goodness, how am I going to uh, do rent-to-owns or assignments or lease lease options and all those different things 
those creative ways in which to make that thing carry itself in cash flow. Because here's what's going to happen, Russ, is that I see it every single time, is that suddenly the people who are on the edge, you know, the people who have just bought and they haven't really done their homework and they talk themselves into or they allowed their, their friends or their realtor or somebody to talk them into a property, it didn't quite work, but you'll be okay. You're not going to be okay unless you get really proactive right now. And that's what I'm seeing with strategic investors. And when I get on conference calls with strategic investors, which we do uh, on a regular basis, and I'm talking to them and uh, they're t- telling me what they're doing, um, they're not fearful at all. They're aware and they're paying attention, but what they're doing now is starting to clean up the portfolio a little bit, clean up the cash flow a little bit, and then at the end of the day, um, start looking for those deals in spring and summer because that's nine months to 12 months since the, the oil started to drop, and historically, that's a great time to buy. But you got to be smart. you got to be smart. Yeah, it's actually a concept you talk about in your Secrets of the Canadian Real Estate Cycle book is you actually match your strategy to the part of the cycle that, that you're in, which is actually leads to my next question is based, based upon your, you know, here we go, technical analysis, whoop, 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 geek yeah, alert, yeah, geek warning, alert. Warning. <laughs> so based upon your best estimation, Don, uh, where, do you, where are we? And this is a question that asked of me the other day. And you know what? I did not have a good answer. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask Don on the conference call this question. Uh, where do you think Calgary is in the real estate cycle? Well, what's really, 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 really interesting, what's really interesting is you're still in recovery. You're still in the recovery part of the cycle. Right now, we're having a giant influencer uh, of the oil price and the fear and the emotion around the, which direction the oil price is going to go and what, how low will it stay and you know all those different things, which is throwing it off its potential, off its cycle. But if oil gets back to 70 bucks again, and starts to you know starts to level off or in that general area, guess what? It's it's like snaps back into the cycle, and that's the difference between the drivers and the influencers. Is right now, uh, oil has turned from a driver to an influencer, and in, and if someone tells me that oil is going to be a fifty dollar oil for the next five years, now it moves from an influencer to a driver, and that driver will take it out of recovery and into slump. So I see these people predicting that it's going to go up 5% or it's going to be down 18%. I don't know if you've noticed all the forecasts that are out there. Um, They're just making it up because no matter what you do, no matter how you look at the market, if you don't take into account that oil price is at where it's at and how long it will be at that price, um, you have no – nobody has any idea how how long the market will have more listings than it has sales. It, it, it just, it, it's literally impossible to do that. So until we see a bottom, until we see some strength and uh, in oil, um, I'm not going to tell you – I can't even forecast which direction it's going to go. But as soon as it's at 70 again in that general region, you know, 65, 70, um, you're going to – the market's going to get back into its cycle – um, back into its cycle mode, and, and it's and uh, the market will start performing the way it's supposed to. But thank goodness, it won't be performing like 2007 because right. that was too frothy. So if you if you if the price stays depressed and down for uh, another year from now, we'll have a different conference call and have a different call at that time, will we not? 
Yeah, but you still have to be strategic now. So so yeah. so what I'm planning on doing is going in and when oil is down, see, you've got to remember that oil was uh, what was the price today? I looked it up and I can't remember. Um, but it but you've got to add that twenty percent on top of that uh, because the, the Canadian dollar has dropped at the same time because the Bank of the Bank of Canada has lowered the interest rate. So you see, we're, we still sell in U.S. dollars. So we've got a gain from we used to be at par, and uh, and uh, now we're at eighty cents ish. So eighty uh, so eighty cent dollars. So we're, you've got that 20% little buffer plus the bitumen discount that we were paying a ridiculous, or getting dinged a ridiculous amount, um, even a year and a half, two years ago, has shrunk. So there's a there's a dollar value that oil is at 55 or whatever the number is today, and um, and uh, and but it's that's a U.S. dollar, and the strategic investors are looking at the whole picture. Look at Russ, they've got. This week or this last two weeks, um, another 1.3 billion dollar program is uh, continuing. I think it was Imperial. Another one is is continuing, and they're happy because labor costs are going down. Right. I, I so, saw something that they they might be getting less in the top line revenue dollars, but on a, on a marginal operational basis, they're actually more profitable than they were before. So, some of the companies are absolutely. Uh, you know what this does. And we've been through this enough times with Alberta, the the the, the rolling, the roller coaster derby. And um, what we find is that this kind of cleans out a lot of excess in the market, as far as um, uh, um, excess employees, excess uh, uh, contracts, excess uh, oil companies who uh, are, are only operating on full-on debt and and uh, zero operational uh, net revenues. You know, you see this, and it is really sad, unfortunately, because people lose their jobs and people lose their contracts and and have to you know have to make lifestyle changes. But it happens every time if you're in this industry, and 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 that that takes me back to, I think, way back at the very start of this whole conversation, and that was, um, why are the listings so high so quick in month six? And it and here's here's the reason why because a lot of Albertans, you know, we've been those of us who live here or invest here um, have been through enough of these uh, parties that we always know the oil price party when it goes up, we always know that there's the cleanup and the hangover after it. So we have to we we prepare for that. But inevitably, because it's Alberta and it's growing at such leaps, leaps and bounds, and as a matter of fact, the last two years have been record population growth years, record population growth. So when you have that going on, this is the first time that at least 70,000 people have gone through a dip. A lot of those people bought a house when they moved to Alberta because they were making an an oil amount of money, so to speak. (laughs) Hang on, let me hit the rim shot button here. Yeah, and, uh, and... and this is their first time that they've seen any of this kind of stuff going on, the dip or any of that. And so they're the first ones to go, OMG, I know this is over. i got to get out. So FOMO kicks in, fear of missing out. And um, so you have a regular market that's continuing on doing its thing, and now you've got this over, on top, over, over top of it. And, um, and, and it happens every time, and, then, um, and, and, and it's unfortunate because they allow the fear to get in the way. Oil's not going away. As I, as I said uh, the other day, somebody said to me, well, what's going to happen, Don, when everyone's driving a hydrogen car? And I said, 
Um, I just bought a car, and I don't think I'm going to get rid of that for the next five years. So um, that's not going to happen for the next five years. And as a strategic investor, those are the exact windows I like to pay attention to. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, everyone uh, better have a pen and paper handy because Don's thrown out some wonderful things. So if you're keeping some notes, you know, talking about what strategic investors are doing, they're, you know, they're shoring up their tenants, you know, getting those good customer relationship with their tenants, making sure their properties are in good uh, renovated states and that they attract only the best tenants and also locking them in with uh, with new leases at the same time and then you mentioned also that you're you know you're working with uh, some of your partners and compiling some cash and then you're going shopping in the spring you're looking for some new some new assets and i imagine i'll tell you it's it's for me in during kyoto remember the headlines during kyoto this is it oil's over Alberta's last one out. Please, uh, please turn out the lights. Same as the 1980s uh, headlines. It was massively fearful. I bought so much in 01. It's ridiculous. Then we had the exact same thing happen two more times since then, since Kyoto, for crying out loud. And guess what I did? I don't know. The strategic of us went and bought in 08. And 09, when everybody was, not everybody, a large proportion of people were crying and wondering what's going on, I loaded up. I loaded up because I knew what was going to go on in Alberta. I didn't know what was going to go on the world, and they, you know, Europe still hasn't figured their stuff out. And uh, Let's ask Greece how that's going for them. But, um, uh, but Alberta, food, fuel, fertilizer, forestry, the four things that we need, and as the U.S. is recovering, guess what they're going to need more of? Oh my goodness! Here we are. So um, it sucks right now. I, I totally agree because um, a lot of people have a lot of money uh, in their in their real estate, and um, uh, and they want to retire. They want to put their kids through university, and I get really mad when I see people saying, "Run away! Do do whatever you do. Don't do this." And I think everybody on this call, when anybody ever tells you not to do something, your first your first response has to be, okay, I'm not going to do that. I have this financial thing that I have to do. What should I do? And generally, most people can't answer that. And that's when you find out it's just somebody who's just based in, who loves to live in the world of fear. Um, I make money in upturns, downturns, side turns, flat turns. Um, and, if I, and if you ever catch me saying, don't do this, Ask me what you should do, because I try not to ever use that term. Yeah, and everybody still has their goals and their hopes and their dreams and kids to put through university and everything. Yeah. So just because the market takes a, a, takes a different direction, you just learn how to adapt to that direction at the same time. And sometimes you sit on the sidelines waiting for the right moment. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. You know, we're not being, uh, we're not being proactive on the buying side, because I believe it's a bit too early. Um, but we're being very proactive on the managing our current units, making sure they're up to speed. Why do you think we had – and this is something I want uh, the RAIN members to understand, that being proactive and being in the game, even during fearful times, means you're strategic. It, it, closing your eyes and, and bitching and moaning to your buddy uh, that real estate sucks or whatever your term is um, it doesn't solve the problem. You know, our, our, it doesn't go away. We have to be proactive at all times. 
actually speaking of the next um, strategic action you you do, and I know you are doing this yourself as well as, you know, uh, interest rates and mortgages and commercial uh, rates, it ain't going to get any better than this, is it, Don? So I know oh. you're probably shoring up a lot of your financing right now, renegotiating terms and doing all that kind of stuff at the same time. Are you not? I love these windows, and it generally is in spring. And, 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 and okay, Russ, let's have some fun. It is spring here, as a matter of fact. We were harvesting out of the garden today yeah, I was, uh, uh, in, in, on the West Coast. And um, but but the, the reality is that that when they drop the, when the Bank of Canada dropped the interest rate, uh, or they're they're driving underlying interest rate. Guess what? They didn't. They, mortgage rates was about four or five down on the list. They didn't do it for any of the the real estate industry. They did it quite clearly, quite clearly to stimulate the economic growth and to lower the dollar because it helps counterbalance a lower oil price and it also can spark increase in demand in the uh in, in the manufacturing out east which creates jobs most brilliant move caught everybody off guard and 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 everybody's bitching and moaning because oh my goodness the banks didn't lower it the whole quarter point get over it they did not on posted rates but you can get such fantastic deals through your mortgage broker and your uh, and if you have a relationship with your bank and credit unions, holy mackerel, 2.3, 2.25, you're, you're seeing prime minus again. You know, you're seeing these things. These are the moments that you, you go, whoa, wait a second. I'm not in buying mode at the moment, but I'm in proactive managing mode at the moment. This is what you should be saying as a strategic investor. I'm going to look at every one of my mortgages, whether I have one or 170 like I have, um, and, and I'm going to go through them all and see which, one I, which ones I can renegotiate right now and lock in for another five-year term at a lower rate and maybe even using Russ's cool strategy, re-amortizing it, um, lowering your rate, increasing your cash flow. Um, these rates, they may, go, they may go lower, by the way, but when you're talking going from 2.34 to 2.05 or 2.2, um, I, I think you're okay to get the 2.34 or 2.50. Um, I don't know what the, your highest one, Russ. Well, mine's 16 and a quarter. Interesting, interesting to note. It's not on the highest side, but uh, funny is I, I uh, it was probably three and a half years ago now. Negotiated prime uh, on 20 mortgages. I got a prime minus 0.9. No. On, on 20 oh, mortgages, oh, so score. so it's like it's under two right now, and I'm actually going back, and, and I, I have a feeling I'll never get it. But hey, who's to say you can't ask of trying to extend those prime minus point nines and see what they'll say? But you just sign the document. If they mail that, Russ, sign it. <laughs> exactly. You know, when you got mortgage rates People under two, obsessed, I, I, on 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 Facebook and on 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 blogs and on. Even MyRainSpace.com, which every one of you who is listening should be on MyRainSpace.com uh, and getting into those conversations because we're, we're full on on there, I'm telling you, and uh, discussing all these points, both the, the pros and the cons, and they're not all – it's not whitewashed. There's lots of differing in, um, uh, conversations on there. But, dude, it's time, it's time to be proactive. This, this, this money isn't free forever. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, one just interesting side note before we we touch on two two last topics here was you know you know what was it six eight months ago the the biggest uh, fodder around was <laughs> people were complaining uh, or thinking that the interest rates were going to go sky high and and everybody was you know that was the fear at the time. So Russ, uh, can I can I just jump in there for a second? It, it, this is the kind of thing that 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 helps me stay sane while driving me completely insane is that it seems to be that investors and homeowners, um, not the strategic ones, but those who are like just on the edge and they really want to be strategic but aren't quite there yet mentally, and that's what the – those people have to have something to obsess about. The problem is, is social media and the problem is our, our blogs that, that will find that one thing and beat the living crap out of it and scare you to death. I went back into some of the feeds and I was looking at the conversations around interest rates are going to go up like 5% in less than a year and a half. And they're going to do all of these things. This was less than a year ago. You know, it's like eight or nine months ago. People were obsessed with none of those guys are talking about that. Now they're talking about how the world is going to collapse. Uh, You know, the, the housing market is going to collapse. And then Back then, this is all research that we're doing right now. Back then, you know what it was? Toronto and Vancouver, they're superheated. There's a bubble that's about to burst. It's going to go crazy. The rest of the country is okay. But these two things. Yesterday, I was in studio, and Globe and Mail called. And I, and I, and I, I, I love my relationship with them because they call, they call me for the, the, the balance, right? And it's, re, it's really fun. So I did a Skype with them, which I think they're going to post up in the next couple of days. Um, and here's what we were discussing. A report that came out from BMO that said Toronto and Vancouver markets seem to be the strong ones and they're going to be the good ones. Now we should be really worried about the Winnipegs and the Edmontons and the Calgarys and the whole thing three and a half months after the exact opposite was the fear. So strategically, oh my goodness. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it gets your attention, of course, because there's some really good writers out there that can scare the living you know what out of you. But strategically, you've got to think like Starbucks is that we're going to have ups and downs in the volume of warm brown water that we're selling. But we know that we've done our homework and we're bought and we put our Starbucks in an area that is going to have growing a growing demand curve as we see that person, whoever our target market is, um, starting to move into the area. And they're going to buy more hot brown water. And we know that there's going to be ups and downs, but we have done our homework in advance. So if you start to think like that as, as, as that you're, you're condo or your townhouse or your single family home or your multifamily property is like the Starbucks, what happens if they're having a bit of a slump? They increase their marketing to increase the number of people who come in and buy warm brown water or super hot brown water, however you order it. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, so just, you know, the, 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 the mental shift of thinking, I am not a victim of any market. I am going to adjust to that market. As a matter of fact, if everybody would just one more time read, I don't get it. I don't get money for it, so it goes, it goes to Habitat. So I'm not pitching the deal. Read 
secrets of the Canadian real estate cycle one more time, you will start to breathe more clearly and you will also start to think more strategically and you're also going to probably start seeing opportunity underneath all of this bubbling fear. Not the bubbling crude, because that would be better the hillbillies, but the, <laughs> under the bubble, un, bubbling fear that's going on. And, um, you know, you've got to do something. You can't sit on the sidelines because, you know, that, that, that's not how you get ahead in the game. Well, I, I just think that it comes down to, and it's funny, I, I could, you know, I could rattle off uh, example after example after example. You know, for example, the, talked about the, you know, the Alberta federal government talking about that they're now going to run a surplus. And, you know, the Alberta uh, provincial government, yeah. Provincial government, yes. And then also the Alberta jobs added 13,000 jobs in January, and unemployment cha- never changed amongst all the, you know, the doom and gloom. And there's just, Don't tell people <laughs> that, Russell. <laughs> there's it's just not lots strategic. Of, it's not strategic. Yeah, lots of mixed messages out there, Don. And, and, and how, do, how do strategic investors like yourself play markets that have mixed messages? Because I would imagine there, as we mentioned, there are some great opportunities to be found, is there not? There will be. Uh, I think right now that the sellers have not come to the realization that there are way too many properties for sale and way too few buyers. Uh, us strategic buyers have our eyes open. We're always talking. We're always always listening. But we also um, we also are geographic specialists, so we pay very close attention to our target neighborhoods, um, and and we just wait. And you you don't talk yourself into a property. You don't talk yourself out of a property. You just wait for the moment. Right now, it's look at your mortgages, look at your leases. That's what you do now. And then as this market progresses, as listings increase, as sellers start to come to the realization that there's way too many properties for sale and way too few buyers, that's when prices start to move. And that's when sellers start to get a little bit more, um, what's the polite way, motivated. And and strategically, it happens every single time. It happened in Hamilton. I can still remember being on the Strombo show, The Hour, and saying Hamilton. Um, and and the looks and the the nasty comments online and all that stuff that happened uh, was was so funny to watch because look at what was called the hottest real estate market in Canada uh, the other day, Hamilton. And if you were strategic and you took the took the, the quote chance based on research back then, man, you look like a genius. And that's why I love. I love the slumps. They're hard. They're uh, and if you bought incorrectly because of some emotional thing, they hurt sometimes. But seriously, at the at the end of the day, if the market is named after me, i.e., buyer, and I'm a buyer, that's good. The unfortunate thing is the average human being always does the exact opposite, which is I want to buy when it's a seller's market because it's way safer than because everybody else is buying, and then and, and sell in a buyer's market because it's way safer then because I'll tell you, you know, that's that's exactly – there's lots of buyers around, so I can move my property quick. Yeah. And it's, it's always funny to watch. And we get uh, story after story after story of people that, you know, will talk about – and it goes something like this. When everybody tell telling me I, w- I shouldn't have bought that multifamily building, I bought it anyways, and I'm sure glad I did. <laughs> As yes. they're now re- now refinancing it and pulling out, you know, half a million bucks tax free yep. on the refi type of thing. And then on the refi, getting two point three four percent. Exactly, even better than what they For were at seven that time. Years. Yeah, yeah and exactly rents have right. gone up substantially, and everything else at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, and even if rents stayed 
say it stayed flat, you've still paid off so much money on that property. And the values have gone up because the hunt for yield is so strong across the country that that the demand for multifamily property is very high. The hunt for yield is that is that the is that a varmint type of thing out in, uh, out in the oh, prairie? Oh, the hunt for yield. Yeah, we call we call it gophers yield. That's what we call them. <laughs> so thank you, Don. <laughs> hey, my pleasure. I got some research to do right here, and I, I I'm going to get on my horse, pun intended. And um, and it has been a pleasure, and I want I can hardly wait. It's going to be so much fun, but more importantly, the, we're going to change some change some thought processes into strategic investors. It's going to be fun. Um, I'll talk to you later. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter and all those other Facebooks and all those different things for little bits uh, along the way. It's uh, it's it's an interest. May you live in interesting times. Well, these are those. Right on, and I'll tell you what I know how busy you are, Don. For so for you to free up, you know, 50 minutes out of your, you know, an hour out of your time is is worth, is invaluable to each and every one of us. So I wanted to thank you for on behalf of everybody on the line tonight. So very much appreciate you taking the time out to share some insights into it. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to open the phone lines up here very shortly. But it's Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network, and have yourself a wonderful night. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening and engaging with the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality. Share the reality.